Hey gang, here we are. This is Advice from a Dipshit with Matt Bronger. As always, captain of the SS Dipshit. <laughs> with, as always, my, my, my co-captain, Amanda. Um, and uh, hey, thank you so much, all the people that wrote all these nice reviews. We are averaging five stars. Like, that's crazy, you know? That's like a hotel you can't afford to go to. When you go on Hotels.com, and you're like, what's the craziest? Oh, my Lord. <laughs> So when you look on that, it'll be like 150, all right, 200, meh. Wow, this one's 400. This one is 2,000 a night? <laughs> oh, my Christ. Yeah, that's, that's, that's ours. That, that's, our, that's, our, that's, our, that's, our, that's our free podcast. 2,000 a night to stay at the SS Dipshit? <laughs> We'd have to change the name. We definitely had to change the name. I was at that, I was at that fantasy when I was uh, waiting tables. You know, you have those... Just you want to you want to be an asshole. Two people that are assholes to you, and I was like, I'm going to start a restaurant someday. That you know, like everything's going to cost a thousand dollars, and it's going to call. It's, I'm going to call it fuck you, and it's this place that like it's impossible to get into, and the food's really good, but they're just mean to you. <laughs> that that that's the newest. There's like eight seats total. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you want to sit? You want to sit on the waiting list? You want to mm-hmm. be like fuck you? Fuck you. Yeah. Oh, you want to call in it's and make a, a reservation? It's, just, it's such a tw- it's such a twenty something <laughs> fantasy. Like. Th- no, why would anyone go there? But no, we are at the five-star uh, hotel uh, podcast. And thank you, guys, for writing your awesome reviews and being so cool. And I appreciate the people that have taken the time to actually share stuff, to like write a thing out. It's very nice. I just had an amazing weekend in Bend, Oregon, Corvallis, Oregon, and Boise, Idaho. Uh, those are really, really interesting, fun towns, and it was just grand driving back and forth across Oregon in a little rental, rental car. Anyway... I've had a great weekend. Hope you guys have too. This is probably airing weeks after this weekend happened, but hey, what the hell? Uh, so go go ahead and roll the first call there, please. Hey, Mr. Bronger, Mr. Ding Donger. I uh, had the great pleasure of meeting you a few years back in Kirkland um, after a show. Um, it was a, a great, great night and all that stuff. Uh, you're a super nice guy. Thank you for being so cordial to your fans. Uh, anyway, um, I do have a question for you. Um, as a successful comedian and now going into the advice columnist uh, type thing, <laughs> I'm wondering, um, what about... Oh, getting lost here. Had a few beers here. Um, I'm a... a construction person after going through eight years of art school and I really would like to know uh, I make a comfortable living at this point doing the construction and uh, but it's definitely not something that I I enjoy day in and day out and uh, um, oh frick forget about it no, really. Oh, buddy. Ah, you, you, you came so close. I think we lost him when he, didn't it sound like he said, I'm in instruction now? And then he was like, I've been in construction for, oh, it's like, in instruction? In instruction. I work in instruction. He's had a few beers. People to, yes, yes, he had. Yeah, thanks for calling, man. That was laughs in Kirkland, Washington, just outside Seattle. 
uh, that's a solid club, great owners. I'm thinking what he was going for was uh, how do I make the move to the next thing? And how do I, but I, I just didn't say, we've, we have had a couple calls like that where people are like, they're almost there and they almost, you know, they, they, but they just, they're either not specific enough or they, with this guy, this guy just pulled the ripcord. Like it was just, I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> he probably, I probably just would never think we'd use this call, but we definitely <laughs> used this call. Yeah. He did eight years of art school and now he's doing construction mm-hmm. and he's over it. Yeah. Like. I don't know. I mean, just off the top of my head, just keep doing art on the side, even though you don't get paid for it. I was just thinking about this today because I've had some frustrating moments lately. Uh, My thing is, I was thinking about Jim Thompson, who was one of the darkest noir novelists of all time. He wrote The Getaway. He wrote The Killer Inside Me. He wrote The Grifters. He wrote wrote so many great, really, really fucked up books. They're so dark. They're so dark. They they make movies of them, but the movies aren't close to as dark as the books are. But they're also really, really great. The the point is not the darkness. The point is that they're really good. And he wrote all these books and uh, never got any of them published. And I don't even know if he tried. But after after he died, his wife found them all in the garage, all these manuscripts. And now he's like this modern master that like, you just never got his shit done. My fear is not that, like, I'm not putting myself in the level of greatness, but my my fear is always like, why am I working on this stuff? It'll never go anywhere. No one will ever see it. I am in showbiz, show people stuff, you know, show. It's a show. I don't want my stuff to just fester and sit, but that doesn't mean I can't work. I have to always kind of work on something that makes me feel like a creative, like makes me feel like an artist. And that's kind of what you got to do. And it's hard to divide your time between working construction, which is the hardest work known to, to a person, and setting aside some time to go, all right, instead of watching this third hour of television, maybe I should go paint. Maybe I should go draw. Maybe I should go work with the sculpture, whatever. Because that kind of stuff, it, it feeds your soul. It doesn't just feed your soul to look at it. It feeds your soul to make it. So just <laughs> to try to extrapolate where you were going, that's my advice to you. And and I <laughs> I get it. We did a show uh, in Chicago for my friend Pat who passed away. I think I talked about this in the show. And the actual night of the show was Saturday, but I got there Friday. And then Friday, they're like, hey, we got this midnight show. Do you want to do it? And I was like, Sure. And I got to Chicago, and I went and had dinner, and I had a couple drinks, and I went to this bar my friend owns, and I'm hanging out with a couple younger people, and they're all doing shots, so I'm doing shots, and I'm having beer. And then I'm like, oh, I got to do this show. So I get in a cab to the show, and I'm, I realize, oh, I'm hammered. And I get backstage, and I'm just like, I'm no one could really tell, but it was the weirdest thing. When I got on stage, it just hit me. Everything became like a blur, and I was just like, what? And here's the thing. I would start with a setup, with a long, long setup, and go, wait, I'm drunk. Sorry, I, fu- I fucked up. And I was killing. Like, I was doing so well, but it was was like, it's nothing I'm proud of. I still look back and go, fuck, like just wince. Because I got off stage, and I have horrible hiccups when I got off stage. It was just like swallowing air and holding it. And then I was just, I went home, so it was like, blah. But, you know, it was that thing where the reason why I was crushing is because I would set up this joke and then go, ah, I lost it. And every time I did that, <laughs> people would just die. And like, I went to a friend of mine who didn't know me. He was like, that guy's so funny doing that drunk character. And she's like, that wasn't a character. And it was that thing. And like, my friend, my friend, Kara Clank, who's a hilarious comedian, she was like, we did not know you were drunk till you got on stage. Kyle made fun of me. I was, anyway, so it's like, I don't blame you. Dude, you reached that point where you're like, nope. And you just pulled the ripcord. So 
Hope that uh, that helps you some. And <laughs> and don't uh, drink too much before you get on stage, guys. Yeah. Take it from me. I love how you you actually had drunk hiccups. I think yeah. I've only ever had drunk hiccups once in my life, and it's really? like every it's like every old movie character, sure. right? Sure. Yeah. Versus like yeah, if you. Uh, mm-hmm. I love it. That's when you know you're loaded. What were you on recently where you were talking to somebody about playing the role of being drunk and you're like, oh, you just got to make yourself little. Oh, uh, Dana, Dana's podcast. Was it? Yeah, it was like, Michael yeah, Caine's you... advice where you kind of just shrink in yourself and kind of just sit a little bit. Yeah, yeah. you get small. like, oh, no, I'm fine. But then you say something atrocious. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right? Timeshare. Yeah. Or what was it? It was like yacht or something that somebody... Oh, his example was so good. I don't know. People should go listen to it. Yeah. I might cut this out, but it was really good. It's okay. I loved it. All right. Hey, man. Um, I'm just calling in because I need some advice. So I have a brother, and he's a bit older than me. And growing up, um, we have the same dads but different moms, and he doesn't know that I cook it and stuff. And, like, I've talked to my dad, um, who I see, like, all the time about it, about telling him, but he's just refused for, like, years. And, like, I kind of want my brother to know that I exist. So I just want your advice on what I should do um, and how I should go about all this. Thanks for uh, thanks for your help. Bye. Whoa. Okay. Jesus Christ. That's heavy. You need to take a minute. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. I don't want to take a I want this to be this show to be kind of spontaneous, you know, where it's like I don't want to do your research and all that jazz. Yeah, but I'll cut this. No, no, don't. Oh. So, no, it's good. People appreciate the creative process and how things are made. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, a, that's an intense call. That's a real intense call. So what? Her brother doesn't know he's her brother, basically. Yeah, that's what he's saying. But yeah, because yeah, same dad, different moms, and yeah, and only she knows. Yeah. that he is. Yes, I wish she would have said how she know. I, I'm guessing she's ne- he's never met her. He yeah, just knows. Because she, she says, I want my brother to know that I exist. Exist. There we go. There we go. Okay, yeah. great. So they're not dating. Thank God. Oh, no. Thank God. <laughs> First up, break up. What? Um, shit. I mean, it's this is like a, a dark family novel. This is crazy. Like, the, the dad will forbids her from telling him, but... Boy, I think you kind of got to go back to dad and just give an ultimatum in a sense and just say, like, look, this is something that I need. This is a relative of mine. And I'm wondering what the dad is, is really afraid of. Like, really? Is it is it him worrying about this kid asking him for money down the line? Is it more realistically even this kid, this 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 guy wanting a relationship with his dad, you know? And I wonder if the dad just doesn't want that or is afraid of that i think it's tough god it's like i feel like so so many times on this on this show my advice is like the hardest thing which is sit down with your father and just and and say okay why here why not and we have to get to the bottom of this and no there's no hey dad there's no you listen to me and and that's that because this is my brother okay it's not your brother it's my brother and i want a relationship with this person i want this person to know that he has a sister and we don't have to see each other every day. Like you work all, the, all that stuff out, but you have to make it an imperative that this is something that you that you want. And I think it's something you, you deserve. Your dad, you know, I understand he doesn't want to give up a piece of the Dairy Queen fortune. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just guessing. You are uh, of the of the Dairy Queen <laughs> the Dairy Queen family. 
Your father, Derry King, misses his wife very much. No, it's just I, I think it just comes down to you asking your father what the what the problem is and uh, and just telling him, look, I'm going to talk to him. So let's work this out. You don't have to come with me. It's OK. You don't have to make it necessarily like an, like an ultimatum. You kind of just got to go, look, this is something that uh, that I want. And, you know, if you love and respect me as your daughter, then you'll respect that because yeah, you're my dad, but you know, you're the king, you're the dairy king, but you're not the king of me, dad. Okay. Yes, I would like a blizzard. No, yeah. I'm not sick of them yet. Don't make me go to McDonald's. Don't make me <laughs> get a Don't. McFlurry. Wendy with her bullshit knockoff ice cream frosty, which is yeah. delicious. Um, so that's my advice to you. And good luck, because that's that's a tough one, but and what a conundrum! What a what a hard thing! And you, you just she she sounds so self possessed. You know, I feel like a lot of people would call in, myself included, if I was calling into the show, which I would never. Um, no, imagine I probably wouldn't have the balls to call into my own show, call honestly. Uh, but like, you know, I I I would feel like I would be a lot more of a wreck. Here's my point: you don't sound like you're at the end of your rope. You sound like you know, like women in general, you can think three steps ahead. You know what's going to happen. You're just trying to work this out the best way possible, and that's cool. I would say start by talking with your dad, and then eventually, yeah, talk to your brother. That's my advice to you. And um, just send me a Dairy Queen for Life card. I never ask for payment. It's <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I uh, only ever get Oreo. I have never had another flavor. Butterfinger. Oh yeah, that's almost yours. every oh, time. Yeah. Butterfinger. Or, or is, you know what? what? You know what? It's, it's butter. It's it's Reese's. Reese's is number Ooh, one. Reese's. Butterfinger was always my jam when I was a kid. And I, it's funny. I drove through uh, Sisters, Oregon, between Bend and Corvallis, and they they have a Dairy Queen there. Is it that? Is that where it is? No. You know what? It's on the way to Mount Hood, but it's still in Oregon. But like every time we'd go skiing when I was a little kid, it was that thing. We're like, we're getting Dairy Queen. Where was that thing where if my dad didn't stop for Dairy Queen, I would have been like crushed like he always did oh, yeah. but i would just been brutalized so uh, i just had concrete for the first time what is that it's like a southern thing that this place in la called top round does now oh and top where, round on uh, la brea yeah where it's so thick that you turn it upside down oh it's like custard it's like frozen custard no uh no it's just so thick it's but, like it, but a, it's, it's ice cream like, yes because that's really but I, it's, it's it's like a blizzard it's that's probably so thick it's probably you can a blizzard turn it upside down but there it's not, nothing in it though right like no like chunks of candy uh, yeah, no, there is. Oh, there is. You can put like all kinds of things oh. in it. It's just because of the thickness of it. And it's like a Southern style thing. Okay. So they, and they call it concrete. Nice. <laughs> so I had my first concrete nice. recently. Yeah, nice. I know. Yeah, but uh, Oreo, I don't ever get anything. Else. I love Oreo so I much. Don't know. That's my, I, yeah. It's funny you say Reese's. I'm like, oh yeah, Reese's. Mm -hmm. Still would never get it. I would get totally. Oreo. <laughs> no, I, cookies and cream is like top five ice cream flavors all time. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Matt. So I need some advice. Um, I'm a social worker. I work with tons of therapists, but this is the kind of thing that I just need, I, I don't know, like real advice, not clinical advice for. So um, my father was an absentee father. He divorced when I was, my mom and I was about four, and he never really gave a crap about us. Uh, we were always having to go to him. Uh, there was a long time separation between us, and we did reconnect later when I was in my 20s. Fast forward a couple of years. I mean, it's just we've maintained a very long distance relationship. Um, 
fast forward 20 years, he wants to reconnect again. He wants to be closer. And we talked about maybe um, buying a house together. And that was just talk that one day he just says, I'm moving up. We're going to get a house together. And he expects to live with us. And it seems like the only reason why he wants to reconnect, by the way, he did. But <laughs> uh, and we didn't let him move in with us. We uh, turned into a whole big situation. But it's not that he wanted to connect. It's that he has needs from us. He, it's because what he wants. It's got nothing to do with wanting to be with me or my kids or my family. Wow. And it's all, I don't know. I, I, just, he, I just feel guilty all the time that, no. you know, I have all this resentment towards him and anger. Oh, I don't know, man. Um, what do I say? What do I do? Thanks, man. Thank you, man. And uh, fuck that guy. No, I mean, look. Uh, <laughs> All right, Kyle Kinane. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you're just an asshole. Maybe yeah. you're just an asshole. Uh, no, um, look, first off, do not feel guilty. Do not feel guilty at all. You uh, have a family of your own. He is not your responsibility. Uh, he was not there for you when you needed him most when you were very young. It's look, I'm glad you reconnected. And I'm not honestly serious when I say, you know, oh, fuck him. Like, you know, throw him to the curb or anything like that. He's always going to be your dad. You're always going to have a connection to him, but it doesn't sound like he is earning anything. It doesn't sound like he's giving, he's all take. He just wants you. And you know, I, I could just read between the lines while you were talking that he just wanted you to buy a house that he lived in. You know, it, he might be at the end of his rope financially. He might have burnt a ton of bridges or whatever, where whoever he was with. And then now he just wants to kind of come back. And that's just not how you do it. So, look, you know, everything I'm saying to you now has, has you said to yourself, I'm sure. Generally speaking, a friend of mine has a tattoo on his arm that just says, you know. Because more often than not, in any situation, you know what the right thing to do is. It's just hard to do it sometimes. It's hard to let yourself do it. And with this case, it's kind of like you have to maintain the boundary that you've drawn, which is good. You didn't let him move in. Good for you. You're not only protecting yourself and your feelings, you're protecting your family. Because this guy sounds like a, just an incredibly self-centered person. And look, he might not, not even be aware of it. But at the same time, why would you let that fuck up your life, dude? He's your father. Yeah. Like I said, maintaining a connection is fine. But at the same time, it behooves you. It's in your best healthy interest to keep him at an arm's length from taking from you. Because he's taken enough, man. He's taken enough. He, he took, uh, I, I can't imagine what from you mentally, emotionally, in a, in a family sense, growing up, to, to have someone who, as you said, he never give a fuck about you. And look, I don't have any kids, uh, so I don't know what goes through some, look, I don't know what goes through someone's head when they abandon a child. I, I can't, you know, imagine. But I've, I've been an irresponsible shithead periodically through my life. But I've had to deal with the consequences of being that shithead. And I feel like though your, your father may have had guilt issues, who knows? I feel like now, now he has to kind of deal with that, the consequence. And the consequence is you not buying him a house and you not letting him live with your family. I'm sorry. There, there's no, I, I, I say this a lot on the show when people, when people have a family member that is obstinate and ridiculous and thinks, oh no, but you can't, you, you can't turn me away, I'm your blank. Look, I, 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 I wrote a thing 
that I, I just put up today about how Mac Miller's death reminded me of my two cousins who died. And if you listen to the show for a long time, you remember when Vic, who was the first one, died. I was talking about it in the show, and I, I was very emotional. But, you know, the, those, those guys, they put my aunt through a lot of hell, and that was not entirely, entirely their fault. They were addicted to heroin, and there, there's, there's no greater pull on this earth. It'll, it just it just black it just covers everything out it cancels everything else out your 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 familial love relationships everything you will fuck over the ones you love the most to get yours fixed and so my cousins they stole from my their mother my aunt so much and betrayed her trust so much that she had to in a sense cast them out like she didn't have any choice and that's the worst example of that i can think of and that's two guys who are, are now dead and who wrestled with an addiction that most of us, thank God, knock on wood, will never have to deal with or even imagine. I don't know what your dad's situation is, but I do know he left you for a long time when you needed him most, your developmental stages. And the sickest thing about that that I've learned, um, actually Mark Maron was just talking about this with Busy uh, Phillips on the, the episode out now, and they were talking about when you have a, a parent that is not there anymore or is, or is uh, there but not present, which is basically the same thing. You as a child, because this person is your first impression of any kind of authority or love or God or what have you, you blame yourself. And so you probably grew up going, what's wrong with me? Why doesn't this person want to be with me? And the, the, the thing is, and I, I hope you know this, and this is to anyone else out there who it had nothing to do with you. The only thing it had to do with you was that you were just there. And that's not your fault. It wasn't your fault for being there. Far as I know, we were not created because we were these ghosts flying around and we whispered in our parents' ears, you guys should fuck. <laughs> that's not how it works. We didn't, chose, we didn't choose to be. Is that how it works? <laughs> we didn't choose to be here. Uh, so, it, and it's, I'm not like that asshole that's just like, I didn't even choose to be born, mom. But... You know, if you have a child, you have to care for that child. That child your, is your charge, and your dad didn't. I'm not saying you should punish him, but you sure as fuck don't owe him anything. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah, that's my, that's my advice to you based on what I've learned in my life. I mean, that's what this show is, just all, my, all in my dipshittery, and I often have to go like, but what if I was like, I had to go from dipshit to shit bird, and shit bird is just like, oh, fuck this person. <laughs> <laughs> don't leave your kids. Don't be a shitbird. Be a shitbird. Um, yeah. So I hope that helps you, man. And and just just take a deep breath and hug your family and be and be happy that you created an amazing mm-hmm. life for yourself. And you you're probably an amazing father. Probably amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, go get an Oreo Blizzard. Go get an Oreo. Yeah. Go get yeah. one of those. And thanks yeah. for calling, man. Hey, Matt. Um. So I work in a creative field, and um, I'm just wondering. How do you reconcile creating art with the impending death of the world? <laughs> oh, man. How do you keep going? How do you... I, kind of, I, I find creating storylines and what have you, creating relies heavily on hope. And being able... I'm finding this really hard to articulate. Um... It relies heavily on hope. It relies on, you know, believing in there being, you know, a world 30 years from now. Um, and it's, I'm just finding this is sort of short-circuiting 
this engine that I've had running pretty much since I was born, and it's um, having a hard time dealing with it, also because I do this for a living. Uh, if you've got any advice, basically, on how, keeping, how to keep your chin up and keep on making cool shit as the world burns, that would be amazing. Uh, thanks a lot. Love your podcast. Love your comedy. And uh, keep on keeping on. Okay, thanks. Bye. Yeah, I mean, it's it's that that climate report got released by the UN. I've been in a state of utter terror. Like, we really live in this age where it can't get worse, can it? Oh, it can? I'm literally, they said that we have 22 years of inhabitable Earth left. And it's, I'm just like, if we don't make changes. And I'm just like, uh, okay, so how can it get worse than that? Like, what what do we have next? Do we Are there going to be demons going to come out of the earth and start just pitchforking everybody and that's just the thing we deal with we are in this stage of what just feels like terminal anxiety where it's just this peak level of what in the living fuck and you know my country's president is just an absolute narcissist you know who just couldn't care less and is just this easily led pig of a man that Corporate interests use him as they will. And corporations on that level, my thinking is is this, because it feels like that report kind of got shoved under the under the rug. It, it wasn't on any of the news. You know, I learned about it from fucking Twitter. It's one of those things where Twitter is is just like this, this person I'm in a relationship with where, oh, there's like a half an hour of good sex a week, and the rest of the time, she just punches me in the mouth. <laughs> Where it's just like, I'm just holding out for us having a good conversation. Like, we can stop having sex. Let's just have coffee and talk nice to me for once. Stop calling me a cunt, Samantha. Whatever. But it's, kabow. Because it's just like, you'll learn something happy. An artist I really enjoy got hired on SNL. Or a friend of mine had a baby. And then then something like that will come. And I'm just like, Christ. But then it's just not on the news. It's not on anything. And... You know, they questioned Trump about it, and he was like, well, it could also swing the other way, because he'll literally say anything at any time. Anything. He has no relationship with the truth whatsoever, and I don't even know if he knows what the fucking truth is. So that is horrifying. But the way to look at it this, man, one, other countries are taking it very seriously, and have been taking it very seriously. Two, it's up to us to try to get as many solar panels up as we possibly can. And, and, and you know, the thing that got me was the steps that were like steps to take if you want to, uh, you know, help offset that. One, eat less meat. Two, drive less. Three, how about one, let's get out from under the fucking headlock of oil companies and coal companies, the, the ones that are causing this. Like, let's just get out from that fucking headlock. Let's put solar panels goddamn everywhere like we should have 30 years ago. You know, it's it's this thing of like, it's always on us. It's never, companies are companies. They can't do, they can't change themselves. We're basically enabling these companies like an alcoholic uncle. I can't help it that he's <laughs> peeing on us. He drinks a lot. What could I do? Slap the bottle out of his fucking hand. God, Uncle Rick. Jesus, Uncle Rick. How are you alive? But more to your point, how do you keep creating? I think it's just create the thing that, you, that you've wanted to create all this time. Don't go by guidelines. Don't go by what – try to make the thing that people are buying so you can pay the bills. But also make that fucking thing you've been putting off forever. Work on that shit. I've got stuff I'm writing that might never see the light of day. But if I get bored with one thing, I go to that thing and I work on that shit. 
and I, you know, barf out whatever creative thing I have. And, and I know it is tough. This kind of goes back to what I was saying before about wanting your stuff to be enjoyed, wanting people to see it. And it's like, hey, what's the fucking point? Well, the point is we all have to get a little more active in terms of preserving our environmental status. Look, people dump on us Californians all the time, and I get it, sure. We uh, are often superficial. Most of us, uh, at least in Los Angeles, moved out here because of our egos to fucking be stars. Most of us. Some of us. But the bottom line is California leads the charge when it comes to environmental preservation, and I feel like everyone needs to take to take a note from us. <laughs> the politicians that I love are the right-wingers that are just like, oh, yeah, well, if you cut California out of the equation, no, those Californians. Yeah, our income taxes pay for all your shit. Dump on California all you want. We're your fucking dad. God damn it. Start putting up fucking solar panels like I told you. And stop masturbating in my study. I know that's where the laptop is. I know you've been watching porn. God damn it, delete your browser history, Trevor. <laughs> I'm your father. You might not like me. 101, 101. But <laughs> delete your browsing history. That's it's 101. Dipshit advice. Even I know that. <laughs> I have stuff your mother's never seen. <laughs> so it's it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to just to just try to keep, you know. As you uh, your 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 system from self self circuiting, I wish I had better advice. I uh, one thing I recognize is if you're not if you're not um, you know do what you can to help, but at the same time you worrying about it isn't helping shit, and it's not helping your life, and it's not helping the, the people around you because your attitude reflects itself to other people, and they pick up on it. Attitudes are contagious. So I had a real depressing moment earlier today that I was just full of rage and. Uh, it hit me hardest when I was in spin class and I just went fucking nuts on the bike and just sweated my dick right off, fell right on the ground. And it was kind of like, that was my, that was my way in that moment rather than scream, rather than go pound seven beers, just, you know, exercise and, and exert it that way. But I do feel like being creative is another way, write something filthy or, you know, create something violent or something that expresses what you're going through and just hang in there and and take deep breaths and uh be good to yourself i wish i had a better answer for you because i'm getting going through the same fucking thing right now i hate it i i feel like the one thing that we always have is ups and downs with politics and with you know crazy this crazy that but that is the number one issue of our time, and too many people are acting like if they ignore it, it'll go away. And that's not a that's not that's not an option. That's something that's that's never ever helped. That the idea that we could all be swept away or be living in a fucking road warrior like climate in a couple years it scares the this the the life out of me, man. It's hard, but I mean the, the best I can tell you is is work for change and and hang in there. And if you if you if you are an American citizen, please vote. Please vote and vote pro-Earth for the love of God. Um, but thanks for calling, man. Ah. Yeah, we, okay. we, can, we can end this on a, okay. on a high note. Good. A high note. Thank God. Matt, what's going on, buddy? Just left the bar and this question's been playing in my head for years. I'm in a relationship and kind of always have that, but... Is it wrong to get a happy ending and go to a massage parlor? I kind of don't see nothing wrong with it. Hmm. kind of want to hear your feedback. I don't know. What do you think? 
Um, generally speaking, I don't think paying for sex is necessarily wrong. I don't. Being a sex worker is somebody's choice, and I feel like the laws against them are, generally speaking, puritanical. That said, more often than not, if you go to a massage parlor, or as they're known in the Bible, jack shacks. <laughs> uh, I've never it, heard of that. You never heard that? I've never heard of that. That's Old Testament. I forget who, who it was. Abraham or one of his sons? No, I, there, there is a part in the Bible where the guy was tempted by a woman of ill repute or something, and instead he spills his seed. Like to not, just so he won't dirty himself up, he just jacks off. And I'm like, I don't know what's worse, man. If you just, I can't do this. Ugh. It's like, at least go somewhere, man. Go hide in a bush. No, but but that said, that said, here's, here's what I find wrong with it. More often than not, the women that that are doing that are basically indentured uh, slaves, servants, which is basically a slave. It is someone who comes to to America, is shipped here, is put under a massive level of debt, and they have to work through it to get their visa or eventually their green card. So these places you, you're, you're talking about more often than not are are Asian, and uh, it'll be a woman who was uh, shipped here with a lot of other people and. This is the last thing she wants to do. And that's when it's bad. The only way I'll, I can you know, deign to judge sex for profit as acceptable is if the person doing it is not in, indentured in any way. If this, this consenting. He's consenting. Exactly. Both sides have to be consenting just as in, let's just say it, let's call it free sex for both of you. Uh, so it's, it's like this is not something this woman wants to do, generally speaking. That said, though, if you go to some place like the Bunny Ranch or Amsterdam, I think it's a, it could be a totally different thing. The, the problem is it's very hard to know because that business has traditionally always been ran by the shadier sectors of our society. It's always been mob run. It's always been organized crime has uh, overseen and taken a cut from, if not all the money. I don't know if you know a lot about organized crime, but they're not very nice. Uh, they <laughs> what? don't. No, really? yeah, they don't. They don't. Yeah, they but don't they go by. They always want to take care of me. Yeah. <laughs> well, even that was old school, but uh, yeah. Hey, uh, yeah. So that's what I find wrong with it. If it was just a place that was run by women and and it says massage massage parlor, it doesn't actually say Jack Shack on it. It's not. (laughs) We're we're probably ten years away from that, like an idiocracy. But that's what I find wrong with it, man. If if I have to say, generally speaking, that's what's wrong with it. But if that's how someone makes a living and they're and they're fine with it and they want to give you a handy, that I don't necessarily find anything wrong with. But I think you get where I'm coming from, man. And you just walked out of a bar kind of lit up, and hopefully you didn't just stumble into one. And then you're listening to this weeks later uh, with a belly full of shame going, oh, no, I shouldn't have. That's like Dana's bit when he talks about jerking off in Catholic guilt, and he hides (laughs) behind the desk, and he goes, no! (laughs) No! (laughs) I love that! It's so good. No! (laughs) (laughs) I've I've soiled my soul. I love that. That was a good one. So hopefully that helps you out, man. And um, uh, best of luck to you. Thanks, everybody, for calling in. These are really good calls. Thanks to Amanda for uh, curating and picking all these awesome calls out and for doing all the real work. Uh, the phone number, if you'd like to call us, 323-763-0228. 
Our Patreon is at Advice from a Dipshit. Throw us a couple bucks if you can to keep the podcast running and uh, keep it smoothly lubed. Uh, we're trying to get on Spotify, and that'll definitely help. The social media is at Advice from a Dipshit on Facebook. At Dipshit Advice on Twitter. Theme song is by Ben Wise. Subscribe and write a fun review. And by the way, thanks for actually doing that, guys. It's this is it always feels like just you know boilerplate when I say it, but I appreciate you guys for doing it. Shout out to the nice lady who uh, listens to this with her daughter. That's oh, really that yeah, was such a great review. Great. People was- should go on and check that review out. That was a, that was an awesome one. And um, thanks to all the people in Oregon and Idaho that came out and said they love the podcast. That was very, very cool. Please Hold Me Tour is uh, still rolling around. Go to mattbronger.com to see if it's coming near you, because it might be. I'm going all over the place. Thanks, guys. Take care. Advice from a dipshit. Advice from a dipshit. Advice from a dipshit. It's advice from a dipshit with Matt Bronger.